Good evening, everyone. Can I just welcome you here to our evening service here at Crescent Church? It's great to have you join in with us. Um, if you're a visitor with us, can I make you especially welcome? And it's our prayer as a church that your time spent with us this evening will be a blessed one. Our speaker this evening is John Kennedy. Um, John is a member here at Crescent, and we've benefited from his speaking in the past. John is continuing our series, The Good Shepherd, looking at John chapter 10. And his topic this evening is finding pasture. Before John comes to speak to us, James McMullen is going to bring tonight's reading, and then the next portion of our service will be over to you, John. Thanks, James. Our reading this evening is from John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure, figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for coming out. And thank you, James, um, <coughs> for reading. As I was preparing for tonight, um, I got three tips um, from, from my family, or from, specifically from my wife, as last night, coming down the road in the car, she discovered I was speaking. And she said, there's three things I'm going to give you a wee bit of advice. She said, the first one, speak up. The second one, it wouldn't do any harm, just tell the odd sort of funny story. And thirdly, always smile. Now, I do hope you can hear me, because I'm not renowned for telling funny stories and smiling. I doubt that the ministry committee picked me for that criteria. So thank you for coming tonight, and I trust that God blesses you as we look at this story of the Good Shepherd finding pasture. I'm going to do three things, and I'm going to talk about the context of the passage, and then I'm going to look at the sort of core verses that, um, uh, 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 that we have in, in mind here. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. And thirdly, I'm hoping uh, to just leave you with some application from these three or four verses at the core of our message. Firstly, um, the context. Sheep, shepherds, and sheepfolds. And to some extent, this sort of starts, it looks like out of position. It looks like out of position from chapter 9. 
but actually we're going to find that it's really part and parcel of chapter 9. And it's an integral part of the narrative, it's an integral part of the teaching um, of the end of chapter 9 going in um, to chapter 10. So if you lived in Palestine uh, at the time of this, of this story, you would have been very familiar with sheep, shepherds, and sheepfolds. They were a core uh, cornerstone of, of the economy and of the community. And in the evening time, as you were preparing for the evening meal, you would have heard the bleeding of sheep and the patter of feet walking past your house as the various shepherds around the villages brought their sheep home in the evening. And it was their livelihood. And they thought dearly of them and they protected them. And they had, they had to take them somewhere and put them somewhere safe for the evening. So a communal sheepfold was the answer. Maybe in the edge of the town or the edge of the village, all of the shepherds would have congregated and brought their sheep into the sheepfold. And one by one, they would have let their sheep go through the door. And each shepherd would have stood and watched the sheep as they moved in one by one. And he would have had his little, little staff and he maybe would have stopped at, the, at a point, maybe stopped one and looked at it because that, that sheep maybe was limping. Something had happened during the day as it, as it was grazing and it hurt itself. Maybe another one had a briar caught to its wool and had needed some attention and something moved. Maybe another one had some flies around its face and they needed something um, for that. So the shepherd was an important part of, of that livelihood, an important part of the village, an important part actually of the wider Jewish economy because sheep were sacrificed on a yearly basis and sheep were, were important. But not only were sheep important, but also there was the application that shepherding was God's model of leadership. Right at the start in our Bible, when we come to Genesis, we read about Jacob as he's blessing his sons, his 12 sons, and he says that God who has been my shepherd from my birth to this day. Because right from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, their core business was sheep and shepherding a sheepfold. And he recognized not only was that his livelihood, not only was that his way of life, not only was that a way of doing business, but it is how God looked after him over his life, that he had been the shepherd from his birth to that day. Also, King David, he could say in Psalm 95, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. When we come to Isaiah, the prophet could say, I think it's chapter 40 or chapter 41, like a shepherd, that is God, he will tend his flock in his arm, that is, the, that is God, he will gather his, his lambs. And finally, when the wise men were coming into Jerusalem and they inquired of the Jewish leaders and of the king Herod, where Jesus was born, the king, the king of the Jews, they came back and said, and from the prophet Micah, that it said, and you Bethlehem, land of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. So shepherding had a significant context to the teaching of chapter, 10, of chapter 9 and chapter 10. 
When we go back to chapter 9, we will find it, the story of the blind beggar, the blind man. And you will remember in chapter 9 that Jesus took clay, made some kind of a putty or a paste, applied it to his eyes and asked him to go to the pool of Siloam and to wash it off his eyes and he could see. And he was asked to go to the, the synagogue and, and to say to the Jewish leaders, I now can see. And when they met these Jewish leaders, they, they questioned him, they criticized him, and they actually said, said to him, you are an utter sinner. And that this man who has healed you is really demon-possessed. And they cast him out of, of the synagogue. And when they talked to his family, his family said, go and ask him, because, and it says in the text, the fear they had of the Jews. These, were, these men, these leaders, these Jewish leaders in the synagogue in the temple, were meant to be shepherds. They were meant to look after the people around them, just as we had in, described in uh, Isaiah, who said, like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arms, he will gather them in his arms. They were doing the complete contrary. They were expelling this man, and this is the context that we have the teaching of John chapter 9. In fact, they lived up to the reputation. They lived up to the prophecy of Ezekiel in chapter 34, and it says, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord, as I live, declares the Lord God. Surely because my sheep have become prey, and my sheep have become food for all of the wild beasts, since there have been no shepherd, and because my sheep have not been searched for my, she my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. They've been abandoned. And so when we come to this central verse in, in chapter 10, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door for or of the sheep. Because Jesus was declaring that he was the true shepherd, that he was the true door, not just of the synagogue and, the, and its physical environment in the town in which he was, not just the door of the temple or the, or the precincts of the temple, but he was the true shepherd of the true fold. He was calling out of the nations a people for his own name, and he was going to be their shepherd. And when you come and read in Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, you get a picture of what is to come, where Jesus will lead his people. They will find pasture, and they will find rest, eternal rest. And there will be such a contrast to what is in chapter 9 of John. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Quite often in John, he uses those words very, verily, truly, truly, or amen, amen. I am the door of the sheep. Just to emphasize the importance. Because in the first verses that James read, he gives a little picture of the sheep and the shepherd and the sheepfold. But he doesn't declare himself as a shepherd. And then, but as James said, they didn't get the message. They didn't get the contrast that Jesus was trying to draw out. He was trying to draw something from their heritage, from what they knew as a nation that they should be shepherding, but they didn't get it. They were so, they were so obsessed by themselves as being self-declared leaders, setting their own rules or oral Torah and the rules that they should live by that they forgot how to shepherd. 
And Jesus, this carpenter of Nazareth, this rabbi who was going about with 12 disciples, and they said, I am the door of the sheep. Not just that, truly, truly. And that, the, the emphasis there is amen, amen. Often at the end of someone's prayer, you might hear someone saying, amen. And it's actually quite nice to hear that. What does it mean if someone prays here publicly and someone from the audience says amen? They're in total agreement with the truth that has just been said. But Jesus starts with that amen, amen. Because what he was going to say was in total agreement with God's plan, was in total agreement with the prophecy that, they, that, that he was outliving. But of course, they didn't recognize him. I am the door of the sheep. And you've listened to anyone speak in this verse before, you will recognize that it is a definite article. Is here. He doesn't say he's an A door. He says he's the door for the sheep. In Hebrews 10 and 20, he says he's called a new and living way. Jesus brought in a new way in which we had access to the Father. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Through him, we have access to the Father. On that day, Jesus was telling the people, was telling the people around him that he was the way to the Father, that he was the door of the sheepfold, that he was providing, he was, he was providing them security, he was providing them um, um, sustenance, and, and I'm going to come to that in a minute, and pasture and for living. Not the way that the, that the Pharisees. In this world in which we live, we often hear others saying that there are actually in this pluralist society, there are other ways in which we can know God. There are other ways in which we can get to heaven. There are other ways, it's just not the exclusive way of what you say personally or, or to you as you witness to your friends or your neighbors. But we're, Jesus didn't give another way. He said, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I suppose if we pause and think about it, why would Jesus have gone to the cross and died such a cruel death if there was another way? There was no other way that, that God could, could be just and justify us before himself. To make us righteous, he had to send his son. And next week, um, David is going to talk about the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. The cost to be the shepherd was his life. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we often hear um, that phrase, he will be saved. The blind man standing in the synagogue in front of the, the Jewish leaders of the day, this is what he's referring to. He's come to, the, he's come to Jesus. He's come to the Father through Jesus because Jesus said in chapter 9, do you believe I am the Son of Man? And he says, yes, I believe. He says, show me. First of all, he says, show me who it is. And Jesus said, I am he who speaks. I am the Son of Man. He says, I believe. Because he saw what he had done. And even the, the man, the blind man, said the logic stacks up. He says, if God is the one who gives sight, I have God's sight, so he must be God. And Jesus had, that was his manifestation, that he was going to come and give sight to the blind and set the prisoners free when he read the first time in the synagogue in Capernaum. 
So he had fulfilled this. The sign was there. And this man believed that he was a son of God and he was saved. What a salvation it was for him. A man who sat on the wayside was trampled over. He couldn't see, he couldn't appreciate God's great um, creation. And he couldn't have a life for himself. He was dependent on, on gifts or alms for those who passed by. And all Jesus presents this salvation. And he says, I am saved. I've been rescued. And of course, the spiritual application of that is that we, we come to Jesus. He will give us an abundant life, it says. A life as he starts now in the richness of what God can offer us and a life that will last into eternity and we will experience the fullness of that. He can rescue us from the entrapment of sin, a life that is oppressive, a life that is restrictive, a life that we worry about ourselves and what people think about as we heard this morning, the pride of life. We become, we become enslaved to the systems of the world around us because we feel that we should please that system. We should be part of that system. But Jesus offers something different. Jesus offers fullness. Jesus offers freedom. Jesus offers forgiveness and to be guilt-free because we stand guiltless before God. We stand justified before God. We can't be saved. Jesus answered to them, those who are well have no need of physician. But those who are sick have come to call the righteous, not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I am the door. If anyone enters into me, they will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And I suppose we could tonight understand what it means to be a Christian, to put our trust in the Lord Jesus, and to be saved in that, in that sense of the definition. But it Jesus takes this verse a little bit further. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out. And I suppose that's not a, um, a phrase that we may be familiar with, going in and out. What it means that it is, it has a sense of security. If we were to go back in our Bibles, we'd pick it up, First of all, probably in Deuteronomy chapter 28. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, Jesus is speaking to the nation of that time, and he says, the chapter is about cursing and blessings, but he says, if you, if, if you obey me, there will be blessings. It was a covenant he was striking with his people back when they come out of, out of Egypt, and we're entering the land, and he says, if you obey me and commit my commands, you will experience a blessing. And at the end of those opening verses, he says, you will go in and out. And this reoccurs at various parts of the Old Testament. And what it means is that we have a secure relationship with God. If God has secured a relationship. We feel secure in our relationship no matter where we are in our life's journey, that we have that security, that covenant relationship with God that will not change. I will never leave you or forsake you. When David was writing in, in, in Psalm 121, a, a, a well-known psalm, he says, I will lift my eyes to the hills from whence does my help come. 
In the times of trouble, he wondered, was there any help that was going to come from the hills around him? Was there going to be an army that was going to descend? Or was there going to be people that was going to descend and help him that were going to come at that moment in time? And he says, no. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who helps will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber or sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on the right hand. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from evil. He will keep your life. And here's the final verse. It says, the Lord will keep you. You're going out and you're coming in from this time forth. What David realized, no matter where he was, he was dependent on the Lord. If it was the daytime and the sun was at his, at his highest and the most threatening, he said the Lord was a shade. The Lord came at the right time with the right solution. If it was the nighttime and the fear of the night, the Lord was there because he neither slumbers nor sleep. We have this covenant relationship with the Lord, with God. In the Old Testament, it was dependent on them. It was dependent on the people keeping, his, keeping um, God's commandments and God's laws and listening to God and obeying him. It was, all, it was conditional, a conditional covenant. That conditional covenant is not based now on us and what we can do. We have peace with God. Not because of we keep what God has asked us to do. If we get up tomorrow morning and we realize that we're a bit late for work, and there's a little, an often feature in our house, a bit late for work, and there's a flurry of activity and devotions are missed. God doesn't say, well, that's the day I'm not looking after you. There were no early morning devotions. So you're on your own today. That's not God's covenant. God says, you have peace with God. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's the Lord Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things in earth or in heaven, making peace with the blood of his cross. Each of us can have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Each of us can have a relationship with God and have peace and assurance because of what God has done in his son in, on the cross. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Um, I'm not sure that's just a term we're familiar with. Um, it's, it's a biblical term. and It's finding pasture. Uh, what, what does it mean? And it, it arises from this idea of shepherding. And when we come through the Bible and we, and we hear about finding pasture, our, our minds will automatically go to um, Psalm 23. And David pens these words, the Lord is my shepherd. And it chimes so much with what we have read when he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the door of the sheep. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He placed the Lord as being his shepherd. He didn't say, 
in this life, my rules and my way of life, my regime, as it were, and what I do on a daily basis is my guiding star, my North Star. And we'll, we'll often hear that. How do we organize and shape our lives? What do we depend on? That self-reliance, that resilience that we have in ourselves, that our, our education, our training, whatever it is, that's our defense, as it were, for the life that lies ahead of us. David as being a king, and he could say, the Lord is my shepherd. Because he had he experienced what it was like to be a shepherd. He understood that that was God's model for leadership, the Lord being his shepherd. And that's what he took comfort in. I shall not want. It's not meaning that I shall not want for, for temporal things or physical things. I shall not want for a new a new chariot. I shall not want for a new palace. That's not, not what he's meaning at all. He says, he makes me, it's something about restoration. Something about dependence on God. And he says, he makes me down to lie in green pastures. He leads me beside, beside still waters. He knew what it was like to be a shepherd. He knew what it was like to look after sheep. He knew that Sheep don't like running water. Sheep don't like waterfalls. We might like to go and visit a waterfall, and it might be quite a challenge just to be part of a waterfall for an afternoon, jumping in or bouldering, whatever it is called. Um, but he understood that sheep don't. Why do sheep? By nature, sheep are, it's a dangerous occupation to get caught in a running stream with a heavy pile of wool on your back. That was just a recipe for disaster. So God knows that it's the still waters is where sheep was. God knows it's the green pastures. As a shepherd in, in, in the Judean hills around Bethlehem, green pastures were, were rare. And if a shepherd was leaving um, the sheepfold in the morning and he'd, he'd gone to this communal sheepfold and he was leaving at um, he called the sheep out one by one, probably name by name. And his job was to find them somewhere to graze and to be content and happy. And the journey was difficult. The journey would have involved going through rocks. The journey would have involved rough paths. But the shepherd knew already where he was taking his sheep. And the sheep trusted him. And the shepherd was, was, would have been going before. He wasn't driving them. They were actually following him, and he led them to this green pasture. And in David's turmoil as leading as king in a difficult, leading a difficult job as a, as a king of a nation, um, a nation that potentially uh, could be divided, um, he said, in those difficult moments, I know that God is leading me. There may be dark passages. And he says, lo, I walk in the shadow, the dark shadow of death. Because David could visualize those rocky, those rocky paths with deep valleys where the sun didn't really penetrate and they were dangerous. He knew that wild animals lurked there. He knew that maybe robbers lurked there, but he knew that when Jesus was leading him that he was safe. He leads me and restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for my own name's sake. I am the door. 
if anyone enters by me. If a shepherd couldn't make it back to the, to the village, he would have to find somewhere to stay for the evening. And shepherds were resourceful. And when they had found a green pasture, when they had found somewhere they might want to stay for a wee while, they used the natural environment around them, the rocks, the stones, the boulders, and created a pen. And the sheep would have gone in there in the evening time and protected them. There had only been one part of that wall, that circular wall in which the sheep, his dozen sheep or his 20 sheep, ever was going to spend the evening away from the shelter of the main fold, there would have been one little slot that was left unfilled. That was a gate. That was a doorway in. And Jesus says, I am the door. Jesus put himself in the door to protect his sheep. And everyone who comes into the sheepfold enters by me. The sheepfold today represents the church. And the church that we are living and we have enjoyed both locally and worldwide as God's, God's universal church, Jesus is the door. He is the one who leads us. He's the one who finds pasture for us to lie down and be content and to be restored. He's the one who leads us by the still waters and he leads us in paths of righteousness. Otherwise, we're exposed to the wilds of this world system. We're exposed to dangers. And Jesus says to these people who are listening, make me the door of your sheepfold. I am your true shepherd. And some people in this chapter, and when you get further down the chapter, you will see that some said, yes. Um, verse 19, there again was division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why would he make himself a shepherd? He is a carpenter. But we know tonight he was the true shepherd. Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind. Can I ask you tonight just to consider the facts of what the Bible teaches? Can I ask you to consider why did Jesus die on the cross and say that he was the door? When he said it is finished, he meant it was finished, that the righteous demands that God had placed upon him for sin, he had met in full. And through acceptance of him, you can have your sins forgiven. And you can become into the fold and have Jesus as your shepherd. Just before I finish, I want to just take a few minutes and talk about a couple of practical applications of being part of the local sheepfold. And the local sheepfold is essentially the church. Because when we come to the Bible, Peter says that there is a chief shepherd and there are under shepherds within this local sheepfold, this local assembly, this local church, is governed and, and pastored by shepherds. Just as it was, as it was in when Jesus was speaking in chapter 10 uh, of, of John to the Jewish leaders and encouraging them to be shepherds, true shepherds, he also encourages those who lead us um, to be true shepherds, going in and going out and finding pasture. Going in and going out. It is not a going out and staying out. 
When we leave tonight and we say, well, that, 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 that's it. I've had enough. And I, I'll be back in a month's time. Going in, that habitual coming in and out of God's assembly, being shepherd, having fellowship, having teaching, being equipped to lead in various service, serving, having renewal. There's nothing like coming back on a Sunday morning and sitting down, as we said this morning, to carry out the Lord's command to remember Him and having that sense of renewal, understanding that the good shepherd gave His life for the sheep and that He is our shepherd and He will lead us by the still waters. Restoration. Maybe there are times when we have got, gone cold and that our, <coughs> our Christianity has become very routine and we need something that restores us, something that stokes up the joy of Christianity. Dan reminded us this morning from his passage that just not to be ritualistic about it, not to start a Christian journey of being, being saved and then just to wait for, for, for death and then to experience eternal life at that point, but to experience the quality of eternal life from the moment that we become saved, from the moment we become Christians. Restoration, support, instruction, prayer, sharing, and encouragement. If we um, look at the passages related to pastors or pastoring, essentially that is shepherding. And you will see that the interchange between the words pastoring and shepherding in, in the New Testament. And it says to Timothy, Timothy is being a shepherd of that church, being a young teacher, he says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct rebuke with great patience and careful instructions. Coming in, going out. We come out so that we hear God's word. It prepares, it corrects us, rebukes us, encourages us. And those who do it should do it with great patience and careful instructions. Watch over yourselves, that's the shepherds, and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. In our church, we have pastors. We have those who have, who have been given the gift of being pastoral, been given the gift of guiding and directing us, given the gift of looking out for us. And he says, he made you be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought by his own blood. The sheep in, 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 the, in, the, in the in the Bible sometimes get a bad rep, and shepherds sort of get a bad a bad reputation. <clears throat> and I often hear at Christmas talking about the shepherds, the first shepherds who came. Uh, that broke the, the news was broken to them by the angels that Jesus was born. <clears throat> They're sometimes degraded. I was with shepherds. They came to the lowest in society. Actually. Actually, the shepherds and the sheep were the most important part of that Jewish economy. They were shepherds. They modeled leadership, and sheep were us that had to be protected. And it was fitting that the true shepherd was welcomed by the shepherds of that day. Be shepherds. This is not a lowly occupation. This is not an unappreciated, an unimportant occupation, be shepherds of the church of God. I can't remember the verse, but he says, anyone who desires to be a pastor desires a good thing. It is a worthy thing to be pastoral. In your role as a Sunday school teacher, 
be a shepherd. In your role as a CK leader, be a shepherd. In your role as a rally leader, be a shepherd. In your role as a house group leader, be a shepherd of God's church, which he bought by his blood. Everyone in front of you in those situations, in those fora, are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. He values each one of the sheep, those who limp, those who have got something wrong with them. You're there to bring sustenance. You're there to pour on the oils, it says in, 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 in Psalm 23. Have confidence in your leaders, that's us as sheep, and submit to their authority because they keep watch over us. They may give an account. Do this, that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. That's the encouragement to us, that their work might be a joy, not a burden. I wonder how often we make, make it awkward for the shepherds. I wonder how often when someone is trying to help us, and I, I grew up in a farm and I, we had sheep, and there were some sheep that you picked out that they were awkward. They were the first ones through the fence. They were the hardest ones to catch and to minister if you had to do something. Do some, uh, they were just awkward animals. But they were as valuable as the least awkward one. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart. And Jeremiah is predicting the future, that the shepherds of the future, in this day and age, in this church setting, they are shepherds after my own heart. So Christ gave himself, ordained, gave apostles, prophets, and evangelists, and pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Be shepherds of the God's flock. That's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing. As God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording over it, those you entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. We pray that these few words will be a blessing to you. Thank you, John, for that message of encouragement to us this evening about how we can find peace and security in the door that is Jesus Christ.